0: deep
1: pattern downfield touchdown Miami what a throw Devontae Parker holy smokes what a drive here we go what is up Dolph fans and welcome to the drive time podcast part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your team your Miami Dolphins each and every day how's it going everybody it is late on Saturday night, I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your post-Christmas, your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, I mean, why don't we just go ahead and let this thing play for 15 seconds? You get the maximum amount of allotted time for J-Rock as the Dolphins so we need- the Win- Dolphins are woo, winners 26-25 the excitement of it all the takeaways the individual performances the emotions the ramifications we're going to cover it all here on this Sunday December the 27th edition of the drive time podcast that's another Hey Dolphins fans, the new year starts now at AutoNation. Let's skip the rest of 2020 and get to big New Year savings on your favorite AutoNation Chevys, Fords, Toyotas, Hondas, and a whole lot more. Shop safely at the AutoNation store near you or AutoNation.com and save now. Let's go ahead and just go through this thing from an emotional standpoint first, and then we'll go ahead and let that shine wear off a little bit and get back into it more logically, more rationally here on this recap edition of the Drive Time podcast. David Locke, the owner of Locked On Sports, one of my, I guess, podcast mentors, taught me rule number one in this industry a long time ago, you play the hits first and we start with the play. Let's actually go ahead and first start with the quote from Mac Hollins on what he had to say on what he saw on that particular play. His big 34-yard reception to help put the Dolphins in position to win over the Raiders 26-25. Um,
0: I'm not sure from their end what, what happened. Uh, I'm sure... Fitz did something. Usually, when safeties or corners go somewhere they're not supposed to be, it. they're, they're falling quarterback eyes. So I'm, I didn't get to see back there. All I, had, all I saw was a picture so far of Fitz, uh, his face facing the opposite end zone um, while he's throwing the ball. So that's the only picture I've seen. So I'm not even sure how he got the ball off. But yeah, I'm sure, uh, if I had to guess, I'd say one of the safeties was falling quarterback eyes and ended up losing me on the backside.
1: And I kind of feel like saying something on steroids is the most cliche, like 1990s thing you can say, but this game to me felt like the Miami miracle on steroids because one, it puts us in prime position to go ahead and control our own destiny in week 17. But two, I mean, maybe it was just that one reason, but I do feel like these two events that occurred had similar odds of occurring like that because you look at the pitch play and you think, yeah, that's obviously a very low percentage chance of happening, but consider the things that had to happen on this play. From the 25-yard line, a 34-yard pass with nobody in sight around Matt Collins. You heard him talk about the possibility of a cornerback or a safety kind of peeking on on Ryan Fitzpatrick's eyes in that cover two Look that he talked about there. I mean, that had to happen. You had to get that face mask because even if Matt comes down in bounds, you still have to shoot another 10, 15 yards to the sideline probably to give Jason Sanders a realistic shot. He was at about a 59, 50, 58 yard field goal, which he can make those, but your percentages from that distance are not great among the National Football League history of field goals. So you had to get that penalty to help stop the clock and get you the extra 15 yards because if you shoot the middle of the field on the next play, you're not going to have a chance to get up there, clock it, and get the kicking team out there. So the odds of that just insanely low of having that happen. And Ryan Fitzpatrick discussed the play post game. He was asked, Was this the craziest play you've ever been a part of, or was this the have you ever had a completion more insane than that one? Here's Fitzpatrick after the game.
0: No, I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I think the, the odds are pretty low there uh, of us being able to complete something with the proper yardage and not have to throw a Hail Mary, but actually kick a field goal. And, um, you know, I didn't I didn't know that it was complete. As you guys saw, my face mask was getting pulled and my head was getting ripped off and I turned around to say, hey, you know, face mask just to make sure they saw it. And I think Jesse Davis or um, maybe Miles had to tell me that it was complete, but I didn't know that we completed
1: it. I mean, 19 seconds, no timeouts. You literally have like two possible outcomes on this play. You either get a big catch and run down the middle of the field and you spike it and you hope you have some time left out of 19 seconds to have what happened Happen. I mean, I guess we could get some pitchy woo woo going, but that's usually the final play of the game reserved for when you have to go the length of the football field on one play. So you don't consider that an option. On this play, but you get the receiver in behind the cornerback there and underneath the safety. Not sure what the Raiders' call was there. Matt Collins speculated maybe a cover two look where they're kind of focused on Fitzpatrick's eyes, but he feels the dang thing like a punt and gets out of bounds. So there you're looking at 58, 59 yards, maybe 60, depending on where the spot, where the snap, and all that stuff is, from Jason Sanders. But even more impressive is the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick's head is on sideways. Give him 15 yards, give us 45 yards yards for jason sanders to go ahead and put that thing through the uprights money in the bank give us one win away from the postseason let's go ahead and hear from fitzpatrick who's now just one win away from going to the postseason for the first time in his career
0: i want to go man i want to i want to feel what it's like uh i think we've got a special team i think this team all year long has has fought and for me it's it's not just this year it's it's the last two years and trying to build this foundation and, you know, build this vision of what coach Flores thinks that we are. So I'm proud of the fact that I've really been able to contribute to that and have a strong contribution. And uh, you know, that, that today was, was a great play at the end, but just on the sideline, the excitement, being able to hug your teammates and your coaches. I mean, that's why we play the game. So uh, I am well aware that I've, To the playoffs, I promise you, Omar, and we'd love nothing more than to get there.
1: And so the play that sparked the victory that got us to within one victory of the postseason was after absolute mayhem before that. The Raiders didn't convert a third down all game long. So after Miles Gaskin rips off a 59-yard touchdown catch and run on that Fitzpatrick pass late in the fourth quarter, like 3.30 left in that game, I was pretty well expecting that to be the game right there. I had er- erased and begun my story for MiamiDolphins.com. Go ahead and check that out right now up on the team website for oh, I don't know, the 18th time or so. I had my winning column, my losing column, trying to find out how to mash those two things together and get you the best story post-game possibly. I'm happy to do it. And then they got the big play from Nelson Aguilar. Back to the losing column I have to go ahead and publish. The Swing of Emotions. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. I'm just not cut out for it, but this team, they certainly are. It speaks to the resilient nature of this team, man. You heard Fitzpatrick talk about it there in the playoff clip. This team has risen to the occasion all year long and become a team that has taken on the personality of their head coach, a team that just is not going to give up, not going to lose their fight. They're going to keep that even keel mindset, that even keel personality and approach from opening gun to the final buzzer. My God, man, my God. You know, I love this time of year for many reasons, but I also love how Facebook or Snapchat or TimeHop, whatever those social media sites that give you the flashback data from your previous posts or tweets or whatever it might be, And on Christmas night in 2016, my brother and I popped champagne when the Chiefs beat the Broncos to get the Dolphins into the playoffs that year, breaking an eight-year streak of playoff-free football for the Dolphins. And tonight, he was with me again to watch a game for the first time together since 2018. Actually, the Colts game in 2018, a tough loss that game was together. But man, I'm not popping anything tonight but that was a fun, fun game, a fun night, fun experience there with my brother. Let's go ahead and jump right into the takeaways, the storylines I was taking a look at, and the individual me- uh, evaluations here on this recap edition of Drive Time. No John can jam tonight. I'm hoping he is fast asleep right now as we are recording this podcast. Very early morning hours on Sunday morning. So a couple of things I want to take a look at heading into this game. And of course, the storylines changed throughout the course of this game. What would the Dolphins' offense look like? Would they go back to the more hurry-up approach? Is it going to be more of a conservative kind of milk the clock and play the defense and special teams game? Early on, that was the case. Pretty pretty slow start offensively, both from a production and pacing standpoint. The second half, they got things going, though, with the running game, got that balance back achieved, and got some, some more up-tempo attack going, especially in that fourth quarter once Ryan Fitzpatrick was inserted into the lineup. A different-looking offense when he came into the game, and they kind of had to go and had to get up-tempo and had to get points on on the board there quickly and the balance on the offense was a big thing I was keeping an eye on in this game because heading into the final game and the playoff stretch down the line here the more versatility you can show as a team and really as an offense in this particular instance is only going to help you at this time of year because weather or opponents or Different circumstances that arise throughout the course of a game become heightened tenfold week sixteen, week seventeen, possibly into the postseason, and you have to have multiple pitches in your bag. I think I referred to this on a podcast a while back about the Saints over the years, how all those years Drew Brees piled up four thousand, five thousand, you know, fifty five hundred yards and fifty touchdown passes and all those record-breaking numbers, but they were going seven and nine in games because they only really had that one pitch in their in their tool bag. The the vertical offense, the explosive offense, and kind of had to find a way to win games 42-39 to 39 half the time. Then they found that balance. They found Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram a couple years ago. They got Cameron Jordan playing at a high level. They got all those the defense playing at a high level to go along with Cameron Jordan. And they suddenly had multiple ways to win football games. And they become a 12-13 win outfit that goes into the postseason season every single year. You find that balance. You find a 250-yard rushing performance last week and 169 yards from scrimmage this week from one guy, from Miles Gaskin, going to be a takeaway. You have that ultimate balance. And then we see Mike Gasicki taking seam shots up the middle of the field with that injured shoulder and all and playing through it and playing through the, and fighting through the pain of, of whatever he's dealing with in that shoulder and going out and making big plays in the passing game. And Lynn Bowden taking vertical and, and horizontal shots and, and making his plays. And Jakeem Grant taking pop passes and just incorporating the entire slew of your offensive arsenal to find balance on offense. I think that was a big accomplishment, a big achievement in this game. My other storyline, how did the injured guys come back? You heard me talk there about Mike Kosicki and Jakeem Grant. Both those guys had an impact, although Grant did leave later with an ankle injury and did not return to the game. Devontae Parker was not available for this game. We'll see about his status for next week. I also wanted to know which back is going to get the bulk of the workload. Well, There you go. Miles Gaskin, 169 yards from scrimmage. What a game he had. What was the plan going to be for Derek Carr coming off of an injury that originally, you know, Ian Rappaport, those guys reported 10 to 14 day injury. They did have a 10 day layoff in between games. And so he comes back after that 10 day layoff and plays a good football game. Derek Carr is a damn good quarterback. But I thought Miami's plan, once again, after a bit of a slow start, that first. Raider touchdown drive. After that, I thought they really settled into their own and found a way to kind of make him uncomfortable and cut off the pass on some of those bootleg rollouts. We'll talk more about that here in just one second. I was really curious to see how they would do that going in. And with the special teams get back on track after a couple games that just seemed a little bit uncharacteristic from Danny Crossman's units? These things were all stuff I was looking at. And the first takeaway from tonight's podcast, you have to say, Ryan Fitzpatrick to the rescue. You know, I let off my my recap story up on MiamiDolphins.com talking about his October 21st press conference when he was, you know, he kind of bared his soul to the Miami South Florida media. He talked about how much pain it was to, to find out that he wasn't going to get a play anymore, how he opined internally about Is this the last time I get to play with the squad or with, you know, with this league, with this sport, with this profession? Did I take my last snap as a quarterback in the National Football League? He thought about that. He talked about that to us. And to see him come out here and get that victory in this game, play the way he did and kind of spark the offense with that energy. It just speaks to the character of Ryan Fitzpatrick. It speaks to the value of Ryan Fitzpatrick for this football team. And how about the stats he ended up with? The one touchdown pass, nine for 13, throwing the football 182 yards and a 137.5 passer rating for Ryan Fitzpatrick. The ball came out quick. He felt in rhythm early on. He talked about post game, how he was heading back to the bathroom, kind of, you know, taking a pee in in the tunnel bathroom back there when Brian Flores approached him when he came back onto the sideline and said, hey, you're going to be going in. He talked about getting his obligatory seven warm up reps has seven warm up throws coming right into the game coming off the bench cold coach Flores talked about him like a ninth inning reliever in that sense and this guy can just really flip a switch and turn it on in an instant i can't think of a better backup quarterback maybe in the history of the national football like this guy is exactly how you want it to be as far as that galvanizing force that guy that really sparks the energy and and helps the team you know be better from a preparation standpoint and when he has to come onto the field in a pinch, he can perform for you. He did it in this game. He helped the Dolphins save the season. For the, mean, for the meantime, You know we'll see what happens next week. And they also had scenarios to get into the playoffs with a loss in this game. But getting that victory is a big, 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 big note here for the Miami Dolphins and for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And he comes off the bench and makes it happen. What a job by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Let's go ahead and hear from Tua Tungavailoa on what he saw from the sidelines when Fitz came in and made things happen.
0: Well, it's always good to win. <laughs> it always feels good to win, first off. Um, you know, I, I know outsiders are probably going to say, well, it wasn't you in there that brought the win. Of course, it, it, it was Fitz, and I, I think it was, a, it was a great effort by not just him, but the entire offense. Um, you know, just him understanding, you know, how to get in the groove and, you know, where to go quickly with the ball and whatnot, I, I think, um, you know... That that's that's what makes Fitz who who he is. And in a way it it really wasn't as shocking um tonight, you know, to see what had happened. Um you know, they call him Fitz magic for a reason.
1: <laughs> I mean, how great is that spirit there from Miami Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, who Brian Flores announced after the game, he's the starting quarterback. That's how it's gonna be going forward. Fitz came off the bench to help give you a spark, he achieved that, he accomplished that. Here's Coach Flores talking about Tua's game after the game.
0: Um, you know, I think you know it was up and down. Um, but look, I have a we look we I have a lot of confidence in Tua. He's made a lot of plays for us this year. He made he made plays today, but you we know, just felt like we needed a spark. You know, the way the game was going, and the you know, fits he gave us that. But, but we have a lot of a lot of a lot of you know, confidence in Tua. He's a young player. He's developing. He's improving on a daily basis. He's learning from these experience experiences, and um, you know, he'll be
1: better next week. And he will get the Buffalo Bills on the road next week up there in Orchard Park. But just to go ahead and finish off that first note, man, like Ryan Fitzpatrick, the value he has to this football team. You heard him talk about the two-year process of being a big contributor to establishing a culture and establishing the vision that Brian Flores has here in Miami. It's been fun to watch. Fitz, tip of the hat to you, sir. You have the utmost respect for myself, Dolphins fans, Dolphins nation all over the country, all over the world. Ryan Fitzpatrick forever, forever in our hearts. Let's go ahead and talk about takeaway number two here. And Miles Gaskin, the production, we talked about. The 169 yards, the two touchdowns he scored in the game, one from 201 from Fitz there, breaking tackles and the balance to wind back those runs and to run through arm tackles and produce extra yards as he kind of fell forward through the contact and the vision to find those backside cuts or those backside lanes on those cuts and just to set defenders up to make them miss in that first and second level. There were so many plays where it seemed like he got to the edge and he had to get around one guy, whether it was with speed to the edge or a cut up field and kind of get through an arm tackle or get him him off balance and make him miss in the open field. He did it time and time again. I cannot wait to go back and, and check out the, the PFF numbers on yards after contact, how many forced missed tackles he had, because he was making it happen all night long in this game. A big, big piece of the puzzle as he comes off of Savon Ahmed's 122-yard rushing performance last week, former Washington Husky in his own right there, and gives you this performance in this game, 169 yards from scrimmage. Man, what a good performance that was from the Dolphins running back. And all of a sudden, you've got some backs in the stable now that can produce for you and generate that balance we talked about that's so important to have at this stage of the season. Now, he also had that 59-yard touchdown run due in large part to a couple of big downfield blocks from Mac Hollins and Mike Kosicki. They talk about that in the receiver room, in the tight end room all the time. It was a big focus of my article on Friday, my top news temperature check, not Friday, on Thursday's top news, the temperature check article taking a look at the Dolphins' ability to block downfield, how Chan Gailey says you're not going to have a big run unless you have blocking downfield, how Josh Grizzard, the receivers coach, a few weeks back said, if you're not going to block for us, you're not going to play in this room. Mike Asicki, Mac Collins made huge blocks downfield on that 59-yard touchdown. Here's Miles Gaskin talking about the blocks from his guys Mike and Mac. Uh
0: yeah, uh just kind of got spun around after the catch and then I seen see my dogs out there Mack uh Mac and Mike, so I seen I seen Mike's block. I didn't really see Mac's block. He told me about it though. But yeah, it was great. And it was just always grinding, always trying to make plays, you know what I'm saying? So you ain't always gotta have the ball in your hand to make plays, That don't happen without them two.
1: And he's absolutely right. Does not happen without those two guys out there. Takeaway number two, I wanted to see how this team responded to the slow start, and especially defensively. After that first Raiders drive goes down, they score a touchdown. Not the first drive, the second drive of the game, rather, they go down, score a touchdown. And I liked the way they responded to what the Raiders were doing offensively. So many of those little chip plays out in the flat where Carr would do a play action, get some boot action going and, ch- and check it down to like a Jason Witten or a Josh Jacobs or a Darren Waller, which my goodness, Darren Waller is a freaking monster, man. But they had these plans to get the ball out of Derek Carr's hands quickly. And I thought Miami responded well to take away those quick outlet options and take away his initial reads and force him to kind of stand back into that pocket where Miami had the, the kind of rush contained to keep him hemmed in there and force him to make plays from within the pocket and I thought that they did so well to marriage, to marry that up with coverage downfield to really put the clamps on this Raiders offense pretty much from that drive on all the way until late in the fourth quarter when things kind of got sideways there. A couple of big plays deep down the field in the passing game, one on the DPI, one on the big Aguilar touchdown reception we'll cover those later in the week on the all 22 review of the podcast here but just so many good instances of open field tackling shutting down the running lanes for both the backs as well as Derek Carr trying to get out in space they were 0 for 10 on third down I thought the most crucial third down of the game was Nick Needham on the edge and kind of one-on-one coverage there with Hunter Renfro who just makes a habit of making guys miss. I mean, we saw on the punt returns, this guy is elusive in the open field, and he nearly has a touchdown when the game was 13-13, which could have been kind of a momentum killer, even though we saw the Dolphins bounce back from that stuff all the time, especially in this game. But if they go up 20-13 to 13 there, you might be having a different complexion of this game, but Needham finds a way to get that stop, and it just speaks to the way this defense plays year, week in and week out, all year long, with that relentless passion. They fly to the football, they don't worry about the Scoreboard the down or distance. They just play situational football for that moment, and they find a way to make plays. They put pressure on the quarterback, and just finding out what the what the Raiders were doing that was working against that defense. I thought they responded and reacted to that. A couple of instances with combo coverages where you saw guys getting doubled or bracketed down the field, different rush packages. We saw Needham come in off the cat blitz there off the side to team up with Andrew Van Ginkle for that first sack. They were walling guys off on those crossing routes that have given so many teams so much fits in man coverage throughout the course of all eternity. They found a way to get some of that stuff shut down. And takeaway number three, speaking of the Van Ginkle uh, pairing on that blitz on that sack with Nick Needham. Van Ginkle, big day in Shaq Lawson's absence. And not that he is a one-for-one replacement of Shaq Lawson. I mean the Dolphins' defense is so multiple and so vast, you're gonna have you know, you're gonna have multiple guys fill in for a guy like Shaq Lawson when he's down. But I thought it was interesting because you go back to week five against the 49ers, and that was the first game that Shaq missed as a Miami Dolphin, one of two games he's missed now as a Miami Dolphin. And going into that game. Van Ginkel averaged 13.5 snaps per game. He goes up to 46 snaps in that game and gives you a sack, gives you a forced fumble, gives you a bunch of big plays in that game. And he comes out tonight and winds up with a career-high two sacks in the game. Now has five and a half in his career four and a half on the season, but he also had a, a run stop right on the first play of the game from scrimmage. He does such a good job coming off that edge and kind of angling inward and forcing the back to make a quick decision because sometimes a back might want to spot or pick out their lane, pick out their hole and kind of work through it. But if you do that with Andrew Van Ginkle as the backside pursuit defender, he's going to get you in the backfield. He did it all the time in college. He's done it so far through two years in the NFL. He did it in this game tonight. Also had a pass breakup in the second quarter. Man, he's playing some good football and really needed him on this game without Shaq Lawson being on the field. And the fifth takeaway here from this podcast, we'll go ahead and talk about some of the, I guess, shortcomings recently for the offense. We let's go ahead and talk about playing in kind of that short condensed area but also the inability early in this game to convert on, on third and short yarders they were one for three in the first half on third and two or shorter but also playing in that kind of condensed area and, and, and trying to play the short passing game and live in that kind of stay ahead of the chains type of offense it just it puts them in such a uh, situation where they have to play such mistake free football you have to catch every football every pass has to be on target you can't have penalties those little things that can go awry on any given drive and some of the things the Dolphins defense has found a way to capitalize on with their kind of bend but don't break mentality where they make you make multiple plays a game and not make the mistake which every team to this point pretty much has as the Dolphins lead the NFL with 27 takeaways the same is true of the offensive side of the football and granted you know you're down Devontae Parker in this game Mike Gasicki's coming back off that shoulder injury you get your running backs back you get Jakeem Grant back but all things told the Dolphins just kind of shot themselves in the foot early in this game and that's been the case for a few weeks offensively to get things started. It's great to see the way they respond and come out of the locker room in the second half, but man, if they can get that earlier season first half offense paired back up with the way this team's coming out and playing in the second half of games, if they can find that script, if they can find that recipe, man, they can beat anybody in this league and it'll be fun to watch to see if they can figure that out over this last game heading forward into the rest of the season. But I think that playing in that kind of short condensed box and failing to convert on some of those third and short yardages, that's where some of the meat is on the bone for this offense and for this team. couple of extra points I want to go ahead and note here. I guess, takeaway six and number seven. Number six would be special teams finding a way to generate big plays to help get the offense going. Clayton Fedgelum, fourth and one. I talked about watching the game with my brother. I told him, here comes the direct snap to Fedgelum because it just looked like a good time to do it. In plus territory, they do it. He goes for 22 yards. And that was the longest run by a non-skill player for the Miami Dolphins. Since 2003, a Monday night football game against the Eagles, when punter Matt Turk took off for 23 yards, here's a cool fact about that. Ya boy, at 16 years old, was at that game. That was my first game in Miami. My first ever Miami Dolphins game was seeing Matt Turk run for 23 yards. So some some cool parallels there between Clayton Fedulam and Matt Turk. And the seventh final extra point here is just these different level tight ends. And I'm talking about Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller. They're impossible to defend. I mean, Eric Rowe had a good game for my money. He was in good coverage throughout the course of the entire game, and Darren Waller just kept making play after play. Whew, man, that's that's like a new beast, a new weapon in this NFL. Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, my goodness, I'm glad both those guys are off the schedule for the rest of the season. Some individual notes here. I thought Tua Tungavailoa early in the game at the quarterback position. I liked the way he stood in there and delivered the football on a curl route on a third and nine pass to Jakeem Grant. Thought he was throwing the ball, kind of getting away from pressure nicely in this game. And then he had to obviously come out of the game in the fourth quarter. Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in and found a rhythm. That first third down conversion to Isaiah Ford, I thought was so important in this game to get the offense sparked and to find that rhythm, to get himself into the game, into the flow of the game, fresh off the bench. Quarterback play in this game as a whole was good because of the way those two guys found ways to make plays at those big moments. The running back position, we talked about Miles Gaskin already. I, I just thought this was the best the best running I've seen from a Dolphins player this year, even though Savant Ahmed was so good last week. I thought Gaskin just had a little bit extra juice in this game. Hopefully, he's just well-rested and fresh legs. We're going to go into the stretch run here into Week 17. And moving forward, at the receiver position, Lynn Bowden's Wildcat zone read, converting that short yardage, the way he runs through tackles and finds holes, that quarterback-slash-wide receiver experience. By the way this goes back to like the Ryan Tannehill thing where we talk about he's a former receiver playing quarterback. Lynn Bowden was always a receiver. He played quarterback his final year at Kentucky because two guys got hurt ahead of him. So just remember that he is a receiver and he kind of has that that strong lower half build, kind of like that Jarvis Landry, Albert Wilson type of can shake tackles, can make guys miss in short condensed spaces. Sure do like watching that guy play football. And then on the offensive line, I like the way Eric Flowers bounced back in this game. I thought the offensive, you know, we talked about the struggles in the first half of the game. I thought that Eric Flowers had some moments where maybe he was trying to get back from his, you know, his, pre-injury playing, and I thought the second half we saw that take off for him. He had a nice big block, opened up a big hole on a big Miles Gaskin run. On the defensive line, I put some notes in here for Emmanuel Ogball, who just continues to find a way to put pressure in the face of the quarterback in such key situations. There was an incomplete pass down in the red zone. The Raiders go one for five in the red zone in this game. There was an incomplete pass where Carr had to throw it away because Ogball both won excuse me, won his pass rush move and then fell back into the passing lane and disrupted the play in two different ways. He also got pressure later on a third down incompletion. He continues to do that stuff every single week. For your Miami Dolphins defense. And then Zach Sealer, the massive stuff on fourth and one in the third quarter. We've seen that all year long from this defense. When they have to have a play, they find a way to come up and make a big play. He also had some run stops and some pressures later in this game as well. I think Zach Sealer continues to play very, very well. We talked about Andrew Van Ginkle. I wanna talk about Kyle Van Nooyen. We talked about this on the podcast, on the feature last week, talking about him setting the edge on Saturday, right? He says the edge gets set on Saturday in your preparation? Well, this week, I mean, had to have been Friday because they played the game on Saturday, but it was a perfect symmetry for this game for him because he so often gets on that upfield outside shoulder of the tight end or the outside blocker and finds a way to set the edge and work back inside to make a play. I thought he had an excellent, excellent coverage snap on third and one on Josh Jacobs, where he both took a chip from the tight end, found the back leaking into the backfield and got into the passing lane. Carr had to go the other direction and try to pass the ball to Jerome Baker's man. I think it might've been Jalen Richard on that side of the play, but Van Noy was such, so instinctively sound and inst- instinctively into his assignment on that play. He does that so often and it doesn't really get noticed, I think by the general fan, but Kyle Van Noy continues to play at a high level Landon Roberts, man, that sucks to see him go down like that. Hopefully he's okay. Quick recovery for him. He had two more of those big missile plays where he just shoots in there and gets the tackle at the line. He's been a lot of fun to watch this year for your Dolphins defense. And we talk about Jerome Baker. Thought he had a hell of a game once again, putting together what I think is by far his best season as a pro. Jerome Baker against the run as a pass rusher in coverage. Man, he continues to get the job done out there over and over again. Xavier Howard on the over route, just the perfect defender on those over routes, man. He almost had himself another pick on one of those almost got one deep down the field, covering, uh, Henry Ruggs deep down the field as well. Thought he continued to play very well in this game. Brandon Jones had a, a tackle on Jalen Rashard on a, uh, one yard short of the sticks on that third and 19 play in the second quarter where they picked up 18 yards. They did convert on fourth and one, but Brandon Jones stood him up and stopped him short of the sticks. Wanted to go ahead and make a note of that. Again, Eric Rowe, I thought was in good coverage all game long. Sometimes the guys just make plays, but as a whole, the Dolphins secondary once again plays another good game. Special teams, of course, a couple of big punt returns there. Had a hold on the punt return on um, on Hunter Renfro, but the big run for Clayton Fedlum, that was a big, big deal for this team to get the offense going. So at least they found a way to make a play there when it mattered most as this Dolphins team finds a way to do over and over again all right so the Dolphins sit at 10 and 5 we have one game left against the Buffalo Bills next week and if the Dolphins win that game they're in that's all there is to it win the game and you're in the playoffs possible 7 seed I think they could move up to the 6 or 5 seed depending on how things shake out but right now win the game, get in the damn dance, that's how it goes as far as that game against Buffalo we'll see how they play it, if Buffalo wins on Monday night against the Patriots, they will lock up the two seed, cannot be moved up cannot be moved down from that position if Buffalo beats the Patriots on Monday night, so we'll see how Sean McDermott wants to play that, if that's the case next week in week 17, some other scenarios to get in, the Dolphins could lose the game on Sunday and still get in depending on how Baltimore or Cleveland or the Colts play the last two games of the season we'll find out how that works, we'll break it down later in the week once we have the results from the sunday games enjoy the games on sunday as you hear this podcast enjoy the rest of your week enjoy your holiday season i hope you guys all had a merry merry christmas and have a happy new year coming up here but we have one more big game to get to here before this regular season is over here on the drive time podcast dolphins win big in las vegas 26 25 get to 10 and 5 on the season first double digit win season since 2016. I hope you all enjoyed it as much as I did. I hope you all enjoyed this edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Until next time, that's going to be my time. Subscribe, rate, review. Follow me on Twitter, at Wingful NFL, Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible. And on MiamiDolphins.com, we have the recap story and the Miles Gaskin Saturday Night Spotlight story up on MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up.